Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, we're going to get into the copy line edit process. I'm Russ Capasso. Joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, uh, how are you? I'm doing well, Russ. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. So I think we we don't we weren't really sure what we're going to totally talk about. I mean, I think we know what we're going to talk about here, the copy line edit process, but... I think it's a process that you are really far along in and, and one that is, you know, looming on the horizon for me. So I think yeah. you are the the sage. It's the, the... A sage, yeah. <laughs> With all my great wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I'm in the heart of it right now. Uh, I'm probably about fifty percent of the way through my my next uh round of revisions copy line that I got back from my editor. So I mean, maybe before we get get into digging into that, maybe we just talk about like maybe the difference between the copy line edit because there is there is a difference between line and a copy edit and how that changes from like a development edit, which uh, I had gone through already uh, one round of that. So um, I guess we could start there, right? So yeah, I'm kind of curious about the um, the timing of each, right? Like yeah. when each one happens along um, in the in the process. So uh, so the copy liner, that's I mean, typically that's like the next kind of big round of revisions you might go through with 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 your editor or an editor. The first round is typically what they call a development editing. So I'm I'm pulling some of these definitions and some of this from uh, the masterclass website. So the development edit, which is usually the first pass, pretty much that that's like the first first round. Once you're comfortable and you're done as a as a writer with your piece, your manuscript, and you're like, okay, I need someone else to take a look at this professionally. It will typically go for like a development edit. And that's like considering like the big picture. So the development edit, it's something that you outsource then. You you typically hire out for that. You don't do it yourself. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I think you could, you can get a little bit of guidance um, potentially through beta readers, which was something I kind of focused some people on. I was like, hey, when you go to read this, take a look at like the bigger picture thing, character arc, stuff like this. I think I kind of pushed that for you and some other, um, I think more writing focused friends and uh, even people who aren't, you know, does this make sense? Is it, does this character arc feel like it kind of, it, you know, it begins and they have a change. Does a story feel like does a plot move along in a sense? So you can get some of that from from a, like a beta reading, reading group, but I think typically, yes, this would be the first round for a professional editor, someone who is, you know, unbiased and uh, will go through, look at the bigger picture arc of the project, you know, relationships between characters, uh, to the themes, to the way, even to the point of like the way scenes and like chapters are structured. So that's kind of like the like the development edit process, which as we talked about, I think, and we did an episode of that, and that was uh, that was an overwhelming process that I had gone through, but I survived. So. Now going, switching over to like the copy line edit, right? So line edit is focusing more on like sentence structure and making sure that the sentences in a book are, are as, as effective as they can be. And typically the line edit is more, the editor is going to be kind of focused on the writer's individual style too. So sometimes this edit's kind of, is called a uh, stylistic edit and they'll work like line by line. It's a line edit. So line by line, kind of tightening up sentence structure. So language is sharp and clear. Um, looking at closely at like a writer's word choice and syntax that, you know, contributes to like the tone and emotion uh, of the writing. And then the line it also line editor will also be focused on like overall pacing and like logical flow of a piece. So it's a pretty big encompassing, I think, part of the, the editing process. It was interesting to me when you screen shared, you know, what your line edit looked like. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised at how collaborative, you know, a, a book can be when it comes to to word choice. Yes. Because your editor, 
definitely like got really you know into it with yes. what words you were using and maybe what words would be stronger in certain scenes to me it just draws attention how important it would be to have somebody you trust you know somebody who whose own style kind of meshes with your style because at the end of the day like it is a collaboration that's really interesting yeah a hundred percent so in this process you know typically going into this level of you know edit um you know I've, I've transferred everything out to like a word doc and using like the track changes within word so I, I, like the doc i have now i'll go through and i'll accept the changes and i'll send this back to her and she'll take another kind of quick glance at some things and um, i'm probably gonna have some scenes i need to add so she'll probably take another pass through those but um, yeah definitely a very very collaborative process also it's great to have uh, someone catch if you're reusing like the same word over and over again, uh, and being like, here, try, try this word, try this word, try this word instead. So, yeah, that's cool. It's great to have, because honestly, you become kind of word blind to it. Yes. And maybe there isn't always an alternative word. I was reading and I think American gods, you know, and mm -hmm. Gaiman said bar. Yeah. I don't know about a hundred times in yeah. the paragraph, but there really isn't another word for it. And I ran yeah. into the same thing when I was trying to talk about a bar. Yeah. Everything yeah. else sounds a little kind of, um, I don't know, archaic, like yeah. the pine or whatever else. When it comes to the, the line edit, Russ, in addition to like word choice, does the editor go into grammar at all? Or is that later with the copy? Edit? So, yeah. So like, that's a kind of another form of editing is the copy editing. Um, so that's where like, they're gonna be primarily concerned with like style, uh, mechanics, uh, making sure the language, you know, in a manuscript follows the rules of like standard English, like the Chicago manual style, stuff like this, uh, or whatever house style guide, like maybe a publisher. But that's not part of the, the line edit. So, these can be separate, but mine, for the most part, it seems like they're combined. Most people, most editors that I've like researched and reached out to, like they do these at the same time, because once you're getting into a line edit, I mean, you are literally going line by line. So I think they kind of do them at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. The This round I've gone through with my editor, they were combined. So she's not only doing the line edit, but she's also doing copy edit. And then she'll have like off to the side a comment saying like, hey, According to the Chicago Manual style or blah, 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 here's why you may not want to use this word or lowercase this word. Um, yep. So stuff like that. So she's kind of doing these both at the same time. And I think that's pretty common is that they're going to happen at the same time. That's so. nice, too, because, I mean, you'll notice as you're reading books, you know, the rules are broken occasionally. But as long as they are broken with intentionality. Yeah. You know, if you've got your one word sentences or, or however else you're trying to draw attention to a, a scene or a beat. But it, I think it's really important to have separate set of eyes calling you out for things that may not be intentional and maybe you are you know breaking yeah. some rules that you didn't even know existed yeah and she, and there's a lot of lines that she, you know she's removed and tightened up a lot of sentences for me and paragraphs and then there'll be stuff that she'll add like she's added quite a bit too and she'll be like hey take a look at these let me know what you think just some suggestions and i've tried to capture in your voice but um, see if these work and then take a pass at them to put them in your own kind of your own maybe potential wording or maybe you might word them a little bit differently. So, um, but for the most part, it's it's been pretty um, smaller changes where I haven't had to like go through and feel like I've had to like re-edit re and put it back into my voice. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of the difference between the line copy and development edit. This is just getting into the, the copy line and it definitely gets into like the weeds of writing. And I've been moving at a kind of a slow pace just because I've been like reading each paragraph and seeing the changes and like trying to, Oh, okay, cool. I don't need to use all these words to get to the point. You know, I think that's kind of the point too, is just shaving down uh, all those excess words and potential sentences that are like 
getting in the way of getting to like the moment of the scene or the action, which have been, you know, been kind of interesting to, to read and learn uh, the changes she's suggesting and being like, oh yeah, this definitely reads much smoother uh, <laughs> and gets right to it. She even had suggestions for like uh, paragraph breaks and even um, playing with like white space. So if there's like a quick scene of dialogue or, or action moments beats and actually creating more white space and like doing, moving things to its own line, which I thought was kind of interesting to kind of mm-hmm. keep, make that that's the f- great the feeling of pace right within a scene as you're reading it because it's like line 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 instead of all grouped together in one big paragraph so it's kind of another thing to kind of think about as you're as you're going going through especially if you're writing like a something that's supposed to feel high energy kind of using that white space to your advantage so uh, objectively kind of looking at as i'm looking at you going through this process right one that's kind of foreign right. to me it seems like the copy line edit is less of a i won't say a lift as far as time goes, but it seems like a less of a, less of an emotional lift for you. Yes. Like, do you feel like it's easier going through the copy line in it than it was going through the development edit? Yeah, no doubt. This is, it's me reading paragraph by paragraph and accepting or rejecting changes you know, suggested. And for the most part, honestly, I'm accepting probably 95% of them because they're mostly structure and flow and they're making it better. Um, Mm -hmm. The stuff where she adds like a bunch of extra lines. Sometimes I'll like reread them just to make sure. Okay, is this would this be something I would actually write in here and making sure again it fits within my voice. But yeah, this is definitely a much quicker process. I know towards the end I'm gonna have some some things to deal with that are still probably in the development edit process. So again, and I think we mentioned this before. There's always like putting that extra bit of time and effort into the process, the step before. So you're there's not leftover stuff to deal with the next step yeah. uh, which is yeah which that's is, been a big hindsight thing for me through this yeah. process is um i mean it's been such a learning process i mean which i think has resulted in our chats and this podcast even just trying to decipher the the mess of the things that we've learned along the way and hopefully how much easier it will be the next time there are there are moments now i look back i'm like okay there are there is definitely extra time i can spend and i know where to spend it now specifically i think uh, in the steps leading up to where I am now, the development edit, like there's always going to be stuff there. There's always gonna be some plot holes, character hole, you know, arc issues, but there's a lot of stuff I think I could have knocked out very early on. And I'm still feeling those trickle effects into this edit, but it's not nearly as bad, but it's like, again, it comes back to my third act. Like there's moments in there where like, I got to build up to this. Like it it just feels like it Mm kind of cuts right to it. Um, And I think that's just, that's a, that's a side effect of me going through from page one all the way to the end and not focusing on the big stuff earlier, Uh, which I think we've mentioned many times of like trying to knock out those big things before, you know, uh, going through small stuff, but yeah, I was going to ask you about bleed through. Um, whether you've, you're noticing some lingering, unresolved issues from the development edit trickle <laughs> into the cotton into like this line edit, and whether that's whether you're focusing on that or you're just trying to ignore it for now and, and kind of hone in on the line by line. Yeah, I feel like I'm falling back into the the same mistakes I said to not do before of like maybe I should talk and tackle these big things. Dude, I did the same thing. Um, <laughs> like, you know, we had that podcast and I was like, I've had an epiphany, Russ. I'm going to tackle the big thing. <laughs> I, I didn't at all, man. I like sat down. And I was like, nah, those yeah. things are too big. I need that dopamine hit of like cleaning up. So, And really, I went through all like the little corrections and 
fixing of you know misspellings and commas and word choice and this this would be your your ultimate dopamine hit of a of a process because <laughs> i am literally i'm Good. literally just highlighting paragraphs and me like except ooh it looks better except <laughs> clearing all these blue squiggly lines and comments i'm like ooh except ooh, it's much better now Again, I think I'm just going to stick with the way I've been doing it, even though I think maybe I can do it better next time. Focus on the bigger things first. Um, I think this process, I'm going through it this way just because I want to see how much it's changing. I'm hoping that when I get to those bigger things, I have to start writing some new scenes. Maybe I've learned (laughs) Mm -hmm. something through doing my, ooh, accept uh, changes uh, process. Um, And hopefully that'll make that easier. But I think there's enough changing with... There's not a lot changing in these early chapters because I, I was pretty confident in like the first act and second act and where they are right now um, that I don't think there would be, I'm not making such crazy changes now that would like ripple down to like the stuff I have to change in the third act now. I think it's just like, oh, you know what? Add like a scene here to kind of build up to get to this point a bit more. Um, so I don't think it's as um, widespread, you know, uh, like the development edit where it's like, Stop making, stop fixing only small things, like fix these big things. Cause you fix these small things they are going to change anyways, when you go to do these big things. So I think it's a little bit more contained. So I think that's yeah. the word. I think that's the right word for it. Yeah. I'm still looking forward to getting to that third act though <laughs> and seeing how much chaos I have brought upon myself. But yeah, I've decided to, um, when I get beta feedback, I'm going to start with the third act because I feel yeah. like it's, it's neglected. Yeah. You know, I, I, I neglect it and feels like from what I'm hearing from your perspective, you also neglected it a little bit. Yes. Um, just yeah. by proxy of it coming last and it's getting less focus. Oh, a hundred percent. And it, you know, it's funny now, like it, <laughs> we've said this multiple times of like, we have differing opinions on the third acts, but I think we're both a little sour on them. And it's funny how much you dislike third acts. And it's like, you wonder like, are all these other writers running the same problem where they're not, <laughs> where they're not like focusing on these big third act problems. And it's like, maybe that's why all third acts kind of suck. Like, <laughs> Everyone's exhausted yeah. by the time you get there writing it. You're like, I'm done. I mean, I, you know, I've said it before. I, I love the mystery and the introduction of characters. So it almost feels like, I don't know, everything's on the rails by the third act. Yeah. So yeah. I love mine to be a little stronger. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say like a little short story that I've, I've worked out the beats for. I've only worked the beats out for them. And the third act, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> you already hate it. <laughs> I already hate it. <laughs> Love the ending. Hate the third act. The third act beast. Someday we'll figure it all out. What would uh, what, what what Jeff say? Jeff Morrison for the interview said uh, it's got strong second act energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, that's too good. Um, another thing, a uh, big thing about the copy line in it, you're gonna lose a lot of words. Be prepared. Mm. Be prepared for that. So I got words to spare, baby. I don't know if that's necessarily something I should be concerning myself with. It's like just tell a good story, right? It doesn't matter if it's yeah. ten pages, if it's three hundred pages, it's seven hundred pages. Tell a good story, a concise story. I think you nailed it, though. You're right. You're right that it's about the story you're telling, and yeah, you can always feel buffer wording. You can always feel buffer. Yes, scenes yes. in movies where it's like oh, this should have been a short or a novella. Just like tell tell the story you want to tell. So yeah. I mean, at 250, 300, I think is totally yeah. fine. And, yeah. I mean, I was aiming for 300, 320. I think I'm going to end up probably around just under 300. So a lot, a lot has been shaved. But I mean, you uh, could take, what was it? Uh, is it Grisham? Clancy? Who just writes about the details of engine parts? Oh, God, Tom Clancy. Jesus Christ. Just do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is how a satellite works. <laughs> this is what it's made of. 
or take more of your editor's suggestion and to space out all the scenes is add a extra line break. <laughs> so much action going on. It's going to look like a 250 page poem. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, you know, it's coming, coming back to the thinking about the, the copy edit and, you know, catching of those repeated words. I mean, you know, we touched on earlier, but it's funny how I'm just thinking about this. Now there was a book I read, I think I was telling you about this a couple, like a couple months ago. And the repeating of a certain descriptor word for how like a character was looking at other characters, like the tilted head thing. And I'm like, mm. did their editor not catch this or did they catch it? And the author was like, no, and just rejected all of those suggestions because it, there's no way like going through this process right now, like I can't imagine a professional editor missing or at least not calling out a repetition of like, a way a character is like tilting or turning or reacting to another character. And like, he used it so much. I remember I told you about, it. I was like, he's saying this so much. With one character or with multiple characters doing the same thing? It was multiple. I could see it being, it oh, was, really? Well, it started with one character in particular and it was supposed to make it feel like that character was like a little unhinged, I guess. Like the way they're, yeah. they, they tilted their head like a, like a dog, you know, questioning someone doing something weird. You know what I mean? But yeah, then the they serial kept, killer tilt. Yeah. And then they kept doing it with other characters. And I was like, this is happening every other page, like, and it's standing mm. out to me. Who didn't catch this? And and so it's it's kind of interesting to to go through those and think like, oh, at the end of the day, the, the author was like, no, this is the right word. This is what I how I want them to be perceived. Because there's no way I couldn't imagine an editor being like, yeah, this looks great. <laughs> like, yeah, the editor using... tilts their head. <laughs> <laughs> like, keep using this way to describe someone tilting their head. I mean, um, I have that with an action in mind a little bit, but it's intentional. You know, I've got a lot of like arm punches like playful arm socking that kind mm. of spreads through the group um but that's and I purposeful can see an editor being like it's purposeful but who knows maybe that maybe the head tilt was as well I don't yeah know. yeah maybe i i just uh I, I it's it's funny to go to going through this process and then start seeing these things in other books and and catching them uh i think it's one thing to catch like a typo or something but it's another thing to start catching a repeating of words or things that you think like an editor would catch or maybe they did and Maybe there's some reasoning for the author saying like, no, I want to keep doing this. So I know we'll eventually dedicate an episode to this topic, but just real quick, is POV part of the line edit or is that the development edit? Like uh, if POV gets confused, like if you head hop too much without a page break or. Yeah, uh, both. I think it was primarily focused on more so in the development edit, but it she didn't like call it, she called out a few times and in the development and just being like, this is something to be aware of as you're going through this next round of edits, pay attention to this. She didn't call out every single one. She just called like one or two and then gave it, she gave me a note in like her editorial letter uh, being like, you do a lot of head hopping, you know, use, use either a scene break and then quickly get into that person's POV. Uh, once you do that scene break, if it's within a chapter, um, mm -hmm. so that then the reader knows that like, oh, we're in this character's, this, this character's POV. Um, but this one definitely noticing a little bit more calling it out. Um, I also think I actually did a pretty good job of uh, fixing it. So <laughs> I'm not nice seeing dude. it nearly as much as I was expecting. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I learned something and actually did it. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, uh, kind of twofold. It's something that's constantly showing up in development edit, which that's part of that calling out like these mechanical things that maybe you're doing incorrectly, mm -hmm. um, that readers are expecting. You know, obviously you can play with the rules all you want, but there are reader expectations. You kind of did almost like a line edit when you did your rewrite. I guess, but I mean, it wasn't 
objective and I didn't pay somebody to do it. I think it's still something that I have to do. But yeah, I mean, I did a line by line edit for my third draft. Um, My second draft was mostly focused on, you know, plotting and some inconsistencies. And then, and I honestly feel like I need to do another one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think some of my sentences can be trimmed. I think some are a bit wordy. I got a little bit of a, I got a little bit of beta feedback already mm-hmm. um, for the first 100 pages of of my book. And um, the edit was, um, you use a lot of words. <laughs> and all all 118,000 you know, of them. <laughs> a lot of descriptive words, a lot of adjectives and um, without hyphens. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. they call for a hyphen usage and sometimes they don't. And I was like, oh my goodness, where did I get that from? You mm-hmm. know, I had to think back you know, to what my influences were. And I think d- during this, I don't know, fifth draft, I'll be, have to streamline it because just because I think it sounds nice and prosaic and pretty, if it's calling attention to itself, like, oh, look at my writing. Right. Yeah. I think it's something that needs to be edited away. And yeah. I am very much like that. Like, look at me, I'm writing, I'm using a <laughs> word. And, you know, that's nice for you and I to chat about. But when it comes to somebody who I really want to, I want the reader to sit down and, and I want the language to create a scene in their head. I don't want the language to create language in their head. Right. So, yep. um, even though I love language and I love the way words sound together, um, but I'd rather use it correctly to create and to cast like this nice imaginative spell as Mm -hmm. opposed to like, wow, look at all that sibilance or, you know, alliteration that, that they're using. And these words rhyme and isn't that great. But I mean, if I think the more you're thinking about the author's word choice, maybe the less you're thinking about the story. Yeah. Yep. So well, it's, it's a, it's a blockade for me. Yeah. It's a blockade to like getting the story right. Yeah. Even, um, actually other beta, beta feedback I got, um, same type of thing is like first two pages, man, which I obsessed over the first two pages of the new prologue, just obsessed like two days, just like choosing every word. And he was like, the first two pages were really hard to read. <laughs> <laughs> And it makes sense because they were really hard to write. And he's like, but once I got into like the third and fourth and through the prologue, it really picked up and I really got into it. I'm really excited for you. But those first two pages, he was like, I knew all the words, but you were really drawing attention to the language. It really kind of felt like a look at me, look at me. And it's like, okay, when that was my maybe insecurity about the prologue at that time, starting with something new, I was like, oh my God, this is the first impression I'm going to make. So I just obsessed over it to the point of making it not enjoyable to read. Yeah. Cut cut the darlings and, and move along. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, just, I need to stop being like, look at me, look at me, I'm writing. Or, yeah. or this is what writers do, right? Like, I'm going to sound very, I don't know, erudite. Or, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I, I do suspect that I'll be going through another line edit. And it's my like obsessiveness of trying to make the sentences the best that they, they can be. But I really want to start with a third act this time because I really have given a lot of focus to the, the act one and act two when it comes to that cleanup. And by the time I get to act three, I'm pretty burned out. That's, it seems to be a, a running theme with this. But these like editing steps should be part of like your process to like before you get it off to anyone anyways, right? Like, I don't know, even mm. you know, even Stephen King's like on writing, right? He's like, once you've, once you've written that first draft, throw in a drawer or whatever, go away from it. That's pretty common advice. And then when you come back to it, it's like, read through it, just fixing like the plot and character arcs, right? Which is basically a development edit. You're doing your own development edit at that point, right? And making mm-hmm. sure all the things are logically in sense and then put it away and then come back to it and then do, 
I think he called it his toolbox, right? You know, take out your toolbox of the things of the basics of writing and go through and do like a line and copy edit. So I think like as part of the revision process, like all these steps probably should do on your own to, to get as clean as possible. Because like that's something we talked about too. Like once you get to that, that step of handing it off to someone else who you're potentially paying, it's like, yeah, I want this to be as as best as I can possibly get it with my skill and my toolbox. Right now, all I've got is like a, a, a hammer that barely works in my toolbox. I'm still learning a lot of this stuff, but <laughs> it's like, but I think doing those those things, going through this process, and then we'll make it tighter, make it cleaner, and coming at it with like a really objective eye, um, I think will help in the I mean, long run. You can run. see why a lot of people, um, and I'm sure self-published authors may, maybe are hesitant because honestly, it is a behemoth of a process. Yes. There's the routine of writing. There's finally finishing your manuscript. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Then there's what? Three more edits <laughs> in theory that you would do yourself that will take months and months and months to do. And then if you choose to, which I think you're right, you should get it in the best shape you can possibly get it. And then hire somebody out, you know, who's objective. If you're not, this is where I'm kind of being stingy. I think stingy is the thing is that I'm I'm trying to get it to my own, like, process like bring that all the way to the end and then i want to start querying because i don't want to spend thousands of dollars on an editor right now and that could very well be the wrong process i don't i don't know i don't like i, I don't know if that is, if that is the wrong process because like you like you've said like once you get if you get an agent or a minute or something they're going to read through and also give you feedback on it right and then it's going to they're go gonna but i mean wouldn't just like you want to pr- put your best foot forward for the editor, wouldn't you want to also put your best foot forward for a potential agent yes. or publishing house? Yeah. So the idea that there are folks who are, you know, learned and skilled and have more experience in these edits than I do, you know, am I shooting myself on the foot by not investing the money and also time to hire a professional before I bring it to an agent? Um, yeah. Or I think part of my concern is that I'm going to go through that monetary process and it's still going to be thrown in like the slush pile and disregarded anyway. Whereas I'll still go through the process, right? And I'm, I'm, you know, I won't say hopeful, but I haven't completely given up hope. But I'm also, I think, anxious to kind of get there. You know, I've started my spreadsheet of, you know, who to reach out to and mm-hmm. comps agents and things like that. But it'd be nice to, I'd be honestly really interested to hear, you know, those who do query, whether they query a professionally edited manuscript from somebody else or if it's something they do yeah. themselves. So, Russ, with the development edit and the line edit, is that done by the same person or is that separate editors? I did both with the same person. That seems to feel pretty common uh, because you have someone who is familiar with, if they've done a development edit, they're familiar with the characters and they're familiar with your language. And then when they get to the copy line edit, um, it seems to be a pretty common practice to, to, to do both with the same editor. Um, I guess you could do them with separate editors, but maybe that, I, I don't know what the... I don't know what the gain is from that, mm. um, potentially. Um, uh, I'm going to be doing a proofreading round, which will definitely go to someone else. Uh, so that way. Okay. So the proofreading is separate. Yeah. Um, just to get separate eyes on it, uh, which will happen after this this process. So for the most part, I think it's pretty common to have them both done by the same editor. If I was going to go through and properly do a line edit myself, which I've done one maybe improperly, having gone through this process, do you have any advice? There's just some general questions I think you can ask yourself as you're going through it. Man, I wish I had these questions and these thoughts <laughs> when I went through it back in revision 
4.5 or whatever I was doing. Right. <laughs> um, like some things like to think about as you're going through like the line in it, like, you know, what's, what's the tone of the passage and like, you know, do, do the words successfully evoke that tone? You know, you've, mm-hmm. you're going to have different emotional scenes, you know, changing and kind of pushing and pulling throughout each paragraph and each scene. Um, you know, is it, is it a comedic moment? Are you capturing that tone? And that was some things like I, I played with in this next round, you know, there was a new scene I wrote between my two, my two friend character, like they're close friends, they know each other. And it was fun to do because it was like a moment of discovery slash a little bit of humor to it. Cause one of the characters has got like this kind of sarcastic, kind of fun bit of humor about him. And I was like, all right, I want to make sure I'm not pulling that the humor isn't taking totally away from the discovery. Cause it's not like a laugh out loud moment. It's just like two friends finding, discovering something together and kind of wisecracking. So paying attention to like the tone of the, the, the scene, the paragraph and like the words you're using there, checking to make sure there's any extraneous words or like needless digressions going on. Well, she sent me that one a little earlier, man. <laughs> yeah, <it was> just, <laughs> I think for the most part, I did okay with this, but there is going through the line of it now from like having my editor bring it back. I'm reading paragraphs. I'm like, all these words are dumb. Why did I put all these? Like, yeah, these your all sentences are pretty words. lean though. I mean, you, you don't have superfluous words. No, no, no. I, there was some, there was some stuff where I was, I felt like I was getting too technical, um, which I dialed back. But even then I was like, I think this is okay. And it kind of fits, but some stuff she suggested I cut and just be like, you can tighten this up and get right to the point with this line. I was like, yes, I can. But my word count, my word count. <laughs> and, you know, paying attention to like how the sentence, you know, sentences fit together. Uh, they like flow naturally from one to the next. I've come across this in some paragraphs. I still have to fix where I'm like, oh, that's a weird sentence. Um, it is <laughs> the thing I need to get across in the sentence is needs to be there. But the way it's written, it just feels like so it feels like someone took like a a hard right angle turn on the highway. And I'm like, what was I, what, what am I doing? <laughs> oh man, you had some feedback, Jill as well, um, when you had read mine and it was the same thing. you were like, I don't know what you're trying to say here. <laughs> and, and I reread it and I was like, I also don't know what I was trying to say here. And usually it came down to like, I'd used maybe like it auto-corrected to the wrong word or I, I used then instead of the, Yeah, and, but it just, it was still kind of a word salad. You know, it was too wordy for something that was like they walked down the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I had a couple moments of that too where I, I was trying to be too clever, I think, and I read it and she, my editor was like, I don't know what you're trying to say here. Um, maybe take another crack at it. And I read it and I was like, no clue. Delete. <laughs> Just delete yeah. it. And that comes to kind of like another thing to think about is like, is the language like precise and like free of cliches? Like keeping it like just get to the point of what you're trying to say. It's it's pretty difficult. Uh, people fill in a lot of gaps, a lot of words. A lot of times I think people write like they speak, which mm-hmm. can f- put a lot of filler in. But um, yeah, using precise language, just getting there. Um, and then the last one, kind of something to think about as you're going through line. It's something I will now be paying much more attention to uh, like consistent point of view, which mine bounced quite a bit. Um, yeah. And if the, and if it does shift, is it doing it in like a logical and consistent manner? So yeah, making sure you're, you're just paying attention to like, if you are going to shift POV, make sure like there's a new scene break or something to, to kind of signify that. And then getting right to that person's like POV. Like there was definitely moments where I had chapters start and it wasn't really clear who you, who, which character was until like two paragraphs later. And it's like, I could fix that pretty easily. Yeah, I had a constant push and pull in retrospect. As as I was writing, I didn't notice I was doing it because, you know, I think you emulate who you read. So I was writing in omniscient third, Mm. but since it's kind of in fashion to write in limited third right now, I, I had this push and pull between the two where some scenes are limited 
by the character's POV. And, and other times, you know, the omniscient narrator can kind of pan up and, and describe what's happening to things that the character can't necessarily see. And um, it kind of broke my brain to yeah. kind of think about balancing that and whether it's proper to do it or not. Um, I feel a little more comfortable about it, but I really would like to dedicate an episode um, to this cast just about POV because it's one of those things, man, that you really should settle before you even start writing. Yeah. Yes. So, Tim, uh, what do you what have you been watching reading lately? Anything uh, anything good? I know you're working through that ghost story, which you finished, right? So, yeah, I finished ghost story. And based on some of that beta feedback that I'd gotten about my word salad and descriptive words and adjective usage, kind of in a panic uh, actually, that's probably not even kind of in a panic. I rushed to the library because I was like, should I be using hyphens? And where did I get the style from? And it mm. goes all the way back now, probably 20 years to when I started reading Palnuck and reading Fight Club and Survivor. And um, I I think I've turned a blind eye to how influential he was to me in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And um so I went back and I reread Fight Club again just to see where I was getting my word salad from. And I'm, I think I'm getting it from him. He does it beautifully, no complaints, but I think I, I kind of have this mutated style uh, of yeah. him, right? Because in my 20s, I think I looked up to him quite a bit as, as a writer. And obviously, you know, that Fincher movie had come out right around that time period. So I blew through that in a panic and um, it was enjoyable. It's really weird to read Fight Club during you know, current year. Yeah. Just because yeah. of how weaponized, you know, some of the languages become by yes. like the alt-right and things like that. Yeah. I don't have anything bad to say about Fight Club. I enjoyed it. Obviously, I enjoyed it more as a 20-year-old than I do as like a 40-something-year-old now because I am not filled with masculine angst any longer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's kind of mansplainy and, but it's okay. You know, it's, yeah. I mean- I did a little research, you know, he kind of wrote it a little bit in response to like the Joy Luck Club and, you know, yeah. those types of female bonding books that were happening during the time period. And I don't know, it was an enjoyable read. I, I certainly yeah. don't want to emulate Palnuck, but but it is nice to see where, you know, 20 year old me took some some influence from. Mm-hmm. But I also want to make sure as I'm going through my next edit that I need to reduce this kind of edgy word salad that yeah. that I've got. So, but also I was looking through <laughs> when I was looking through his language to see where I'd gotten it from um the woman who had who had read my book and who is a professional editor herself said, you know, a lot of these need hyphens. So I took photos of Palmuck's pages of like similar passages and I was like, yeah. "Hey, I think this is where I got the style from for better or worse. I'm definitely happy to attack it. But what would you do in these scenes that are not hyphenated? And she was like, all that needs to be hyphenated. And I was like, well, interesting. Okay. <laughs> so whether it does or doesn't, you know, there's something about Chicago versus stylistic choices. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I read that. That was cool. But I read something else. Oh, I read clown in a cornfield. Um, right. Yep. Which is, Adam Caesars, I think I'm pronouncing his name correctly, who is like a genre horror writer. And it's his first for, foray into YA horror, which I did not know existed, which is not what you would expect. It's not like R.L. Stein Goosebumps yeah. stuff. It's actually, it's very much R-rated. In a way, I was not expecting yeah. when you see YA horror. It's very much for teens to late teens. 
and it was enjoyable. You know, it's this kind of Trump era commentary on, you know, hive mentality and, you know, the adults versus the kids type of thing. Yep. Um, the dangers of social media and small town politicking yeah. yep. um, mixed with a slasher. So it, it was cool. It was all written in limited third person, which was interesting to read, except for a few like fleeting moments where like he drips out to, you know, omniscient third. Yeah. In, in a way, you know, when I was writing Critical Mass and I'd said this before, my I wanted it to be a mixture between YA and, and horror. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was an actual genre. In my head, I was thinking more like, I don't know, the golden compass, like that type mm-hmm. of YA that can track towards adults. But yeah, really interesting to kind of see this. I, I don't know if it's new or not. Maybe I need to research it a bit more. But with some editing, it's something that I think that my book could maybe fall inside. Yeah. I don't really want it to. I think it would take some editing down of themes and some editing down of scenes to kind of get it there. Um, but I certainly want the ease of comprehension and, and like the pacing of a YA, YA novel. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, no, I definitely recommend Clown in the Cornfield. It was it was pretty good. I, I mean, I don't know. I give it a I give it a thumbs up. I'm sure it'll be adapted into a movie soon. It's very um unless I'm missing them. Its influences aren't literature as much as they are. Well, I guess it's King a little bit, but it's very much like your Friday the 13th and your your Halloween's and your Scream. Honestly, it's very Scream-like because there's there's the mystery. You know, it's not supernatural. It's like the whodunit, who's doing it type of thing. Yep. I mean, for kids, you know, if you're thinking about themes and YA themes, it's nice, you know. Yeah. Like I said, it's very like, it's a Trump era and it's got a lot to say about, about putting all your your eggs in one basket when it comes to economy and, and small town politicking. So yeah, good for kids. How about you, Russ? You've been reading or watching anything that's been particularly interesting or influential? Let's see. I just finished this book called Recursion by Blake Crouch. He's written some other, it, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, it's a kind of like a time travel memory time travel book. Uh, a lot of fun. The concepts are fun. I'm leaning towards reading more crime and, and, uh, time travel stuff for the second book. So just trying to read as absorb as much as I can just to kind of see where the where the tropes are and where what things I like and don't like. But it was good. It got it gets it gets uh, really ramps up towards towards the end. But um, overall, I, I enjoyed it. I, I probably I enjoyed it enough where I probably check out some of his other books. Looks like a lot of his stuff is being uh, being picked up for like TV and movies and stuff like that. So not that that's a sign of it being good, but it was it's enjoyable. So and then I'm a third of the way through the second book. Um, uh, Brandon Sanderson's uh, Mistborn series. I'd read the first, it's an older series. I read the first book a long time ago and really enjoyed it. So I grabbed the second one and about a third of the way through that. And it's fun. It's a fun fantasy yeah, story. So I'm kind of enjoying that one, kind of cranking through it. The The thing I like about both of these books is the, and thinking about like going through the, tying it all back to the beginning here, tying it back to the topic of the show, the copy line it and thinking about the flow of, of your sentence and the readability of it. Both these books, like the, uh, um, recursion one was like 330 pages. I think it finished in a couple of days just cause like mm. the pace and it gets really technical towards the end and kind of, it's a little overloaded with some of that, which eh, I think fits fine with the, the type of book it is. Um, but it just, it just read real, real easy, real quick and nothing got in the way of the actual story itself. And then Brandon Sanderson won like it's 735 pages or whatever. Whew. And I am just like cranking through it though. Um, I'm, typically pretty slow reader. I've gotten gotten a little bit quicker lately, but 
yeah, just the the way it just flows from paragraph sense sentence. It's just like, wow, this is just this is easy. And I'm in the world. I'm in the scene. I know what's going on and it just cooks. And I'm like, oh, so this is how you're supposed to do this. So trying to pay attention to stuff like that and the precision he's got in with a fantasy novel like that. Of course, he's in a different position of one. It's a it's a second book in a series. So you get a lot of repeating of stuff and things that happened in the first book which is fine because I didn't want to go back and read a summary of the first one. So as I'm reading it, he's like mentioning characters and things that happened and the characters are in the first book, they're in the second book, reflecting on those moments that happened in the first book. I'm like, oh, it's a clever way to kind of get you caught up. And he's like yeah. trickling those events that happened in the first book. So I'm like, cool, I'm, I remember all of it now. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, this thing happened. Oh yeah, that's right, this person died. Oh yeah, okay. And it all kind of comes back in a really um, easy way to digest and just move on. And it's like, that's it's pretty impressive to be able to do to like catch you all up, start a new story and make it entertaining and get you kind of pulled into that world. So what's your takeaway as far as why that book is so brisk and easy to read? You think it's word choice or sentence length or I think it's word choice, word choice in, in, in just pacing. I think there's a good pacing between action, something happening and then, um, giving you info that you need to carry to move the story along. Um, mm-hmm. Right now he's jumping between through, I well, just introduced a fourth character. So you're kind of jumping POV between four characters. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, the fantasy, you know, stories typically they're pretty big and epic and you've got multiple characters who are all doing their own thing. So um, I think that kind of also keeps him moving because you have one character who's off doing some bigger plot thing you know, uh, and you're following them as they're kind of discovering this, this thing that's going to be probably the big, the big storyline. Um, and meanwhile, you're back home and you've got two characters who are kind of dealing with things that, you know, the, the conflicts of home. Um, so I think that kind of helps, uh, that pacing. Um, and I think just the word choice, it's, it's concise, kind of gets to it, moves into the next paragraph. So, you know, I started reading the, the elementals by, um, Michael McDow- McDowell. Mm-hmm. And um, man, the first 20 pages of that have been so hard to read. It was, and now it's picking up at a clip, you know, I'm into act two and it's wonderful. I'm happy I stuck with it. He's a talented writer and uh, he'd written Beetlejuice, I guess. And the nightmare before Christmas. Yeah. So, and I didn't know that um, until I started enjoying the book and I was like, who is this guy? (laughs) This is is really good. And it's spooky, you know. Yeah. Like it's interestingly like a little creepy and unnerving and surreal. So hmm. I definitely want to get back. I w- I'm trying to move out of the research phase again of like reading and get back into the enjoyment side enjoyment. of reading. Yeah. 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 And this is one of those. And I, I mean, I'm always spread, you know me, I'm always spread between a few books. I started American Gods again too hmm. by Neil Gaiman. I'd like to get through that. Uh, that's our episode. Thanks everyone for, for listening. So uh, if you enjoyed the episode and you think someone else might, send it on, send it along to them. Uh, if you have a topic idea or any feedback you want to send us, um, you can find us on Twitter at writer underscore syndrome. All of our episodes, uh, other contact info and stuff, you can also find at writersyndrome.com. Uh, so I think next up, we kind of kind of started touching on it, but I think next up, so we're going to get into POV, huh? Yeah, I think we got to do point of view. It's something that's plagued us both. Uh, and I think we're both kind of at this point of, uh, yeah, need to dig into it. So I, I won't say that I'm an expert at it now, but I know a lot more than I did when I started. And I wish 
Me too. I knew then what I know now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Me too. So hopefully we can uh, share some insights for others to uh, to pick up on before you get into whatever you're working on. So that'll be it uh, Russ, for the next episode. You want to know but... my point of view? Yeah. My point of view is you're a great guy. Ah, oh, thanks, man. I would say the same, but you left my umbrella at a bar. So. <laughs> <laughs> I brought you an umbrella home from the bar. Yes, my, my, my POV is third person angry. So yeah, whatever. I'm not coming to Boston again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, POV. We'll we'll tackle that in the next episode. Uh, so until next time, keep writing.